After more than a year of cogitating, the Trump administration last week came out with an updated federal data strategy. It included some of the recommendations from the Data Coalition, whose president, Nick Hart, joins me now. Nick, good to have you in. Hey, great to be here. What is the federal data strategy? There's probably a lot of people out there that might be put off by the fact this is a document. It's a piece of paper, uh, and it's pretty long. Uh, but there's a lot of really important substance in inside the federal data strategy that will, over the next decade, make our government data more high quality, uh, more accessible, and frankly, more useful. And the strategy makes several references to the Evidence Act, the evidence-based policy-making requirement. Tell us how that relates to data. This expands the data sources they can use to produce evidence for policy. Well, that's right. Yeah. So the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act was signed by the president uh, January 14th of 2019. So we're right at the one-year anniversary. Uh, We call it the Evidence Act for short. And this will fundamentally change the way uh, government uses data because it establishes new expectations, new legal authorities that encourage everything from data sharing to a requirement to have chief data officers across the federal landscape. So every agency now has to have a person who is specifically tapped as a senior leader to think about data governance, how we're actually managing the quality of the information that we're collecting from the American public. That's a requirement out of the Evidence Act. Um, So a lot of the things that are contained in the federal data strategy are also legal requirements under this new law. Right, because you said it's a 10-year strategy. As we know, administrations at the longest only last eight years, occasionally four years. And so Without the statutory backing, it would be safe to say this may or may not have legs. But with the Evidence Act as the law of the land, then another administration could alter the strategy, but not the fundamental requirements of the Evidence Act. Well, I'd say this administration was really savvy in considering this as a 10-year plan. So a lot of times when the president's management agenda comes out as a document that sets the framework for how an administration is going to improve government, it's intentionally setting six-month goals, one-year goals. By saying that this is a 10-year plan, specifically what we're doing is saying we know these problems are going to take us a long time to correct. And if we change direction every six months or every year, we're never going to get to the endpoint that we want, which is more accessible, useful data. Yeah, let's talk about the endpoint and then some of the strategies agencies have to do to get there. The endpoint is what exactly? Can it be stated precisely? Well, uh, the endpoint is that federal agencies will be able to better fulfill their missions and serve the American public by applying the information that they're collecting to make good decisions. And the information they're collecting uh, is no longer exclusively the information that is generated by their systems, correct? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, some federal agencies are conducting surveys, some are collecting data through the course of just operating programs. And in other cases, they're actually collecting information by maybe purchasing data from the private sector or even leaning on other federal agencies that are collecting information that's relevant for them. And to the extent possible, we want to ensure the burden on the American public is as low as possible to analyze this information and uh, ultimately use it. Because in the strategy, there is what they call a data decision tree, I think, if I'm quoting it correctly. Do I have the data I need or not? If I do, fine. If I don't, where do I get it? Well, is it something we can collect or is it something Is it something that the other agencies might have? And then what do we have to do to get their data? And there's sometimes statutory limitations on that. But basically, that's the mechanism 
that agencies have to go through to decide what their data sources shall be. Yeah, that's right. So the federal data strategy has a one-year action plan that specifies what every agency should be doing over the next 12 months. And the the decision tree that you're describing is part of a bigger suite of actions that uh, tell agencies to figure out how their data are organized. So uh, we don't have comprehensive inventories of the data that the federal government has today. So agencies are going to be developing those over the next 12 months. Also, policy references agency important questions or strategic questions. And that's from the Evidence Act also, correct? Yeah, there's this idea embodied in the Evidence Act uh, to establish a learning agenda or what Congress called evidence-building plans. And the basic idea here is that federal agencies will be posing the questions that they are trying to uh, tackle and answer uh, maybe based on upcoming reauthorizations of legislation or upcoming regulatory actions or policy actions. And, you know, usually we don't know all of the things that we need to know. There's some uncertainty anytime we're making big policy changes. But if we can articulate what we want to know ahead of the policy actions, then those who are inside government and have access to data or those who are researchers outside of government can better help us fill in those knowledge gaps. We're speaking with Nick Hart, CEO of the Data Coalition. Now, the strategy does, as you mentioned, have several timelines, several deadlines for agencies. What's the first couple of things agencies need to do to fulfill this strategy, and when do they need to do it? Well, there are actions that every agency should be undertaking right now. In uh, January of 2020, uh, for agencies that haven't yet named their chief data officer, they have to do that as quickly as possible because agencies are supposed to be standing up what are called data governance boards this month. And that's the organizing construct to make a lot of the actions in the data strategy real. All right. What else in the first year? Yeah. So in the first year, uh, agencies are going to be doing everything from uh, increased planning around how to apply artificial intelligence, uh, potentially applications throughout an agency. Um, the Office of Management and Budget will be standing up a Chief Data Officers Council, uh, really establishing a community of practice across all of the CDOs that are now uh, available across government. I mentioned that agencies will be developing data inventories. They're also going to be making what are called open data plans. And so the goal here is to have a specific conversation across agencies of how we make more information publicly accessible that government's already collecting. Um, they'll also have to figure out how to prioritize the data that they're making available. Of course, agencies have real resource limitations, so this isn't going to happen overnight. They'll have to prioritize uh, the sequence and the order that they go through. Uh, we know some agencies will need to improve data literacy and the training of their staff so that staff have the right skills to not just make information available and manage it appropriately, but also protect confidentiality and, and ensure the privacy protections are as strong as possible. Now, this whole idea of discovery of data and publishing of data, say, for the internal use of the government, that seems like a big hurdle, simply being having the mechanisms such that any agency would know what is available from other agencies, what the data sets that exist are out there before they decide whether it's relevant or whether they can get access to it. But just the simple act of discovery, that's a big hurdle too, isn't it? Yeah, we've been trying to develop data inventories across government since 2013, uh, some agencies even longer. And the well, data.gov goes back even before that. Yeah, so the, the fact that we've been doing this for years and these inventories are still fairly incomplete suggests just how difficult this is. There are some applications from the private sector that we can begin to adopt inside government agencies that help us with this discovery aspect and make it a lot more efficient, fairly low cost. Um, I've heard some agencies considering uh, making their inventories in Excel spreadsheets and you know sending right. around that kind of information by email 
And I think that would really be a travesty for what's intended here because it'll be hard to update and, and frankly, pretty burdensome to uh, have as a resource for the American public. Because the data.gov site, when it launched during the early parts of the Obama administration, seemed like a like a skyrocket that got so high, then it's sort of lost momentum and it's still there. Could that platform be revived in some manner as to be the definitive source? So data.gov still exists. It's still right. uh, included in the data strategy itself as one of the major vehicles for making some of this information available. So it's going to be a major part of the strategy going forward. Because there is the issue of what data should be available to the federal government versus the somewhat, I guess, subset of data that should be made available to anyone in the public. Does that calculus come into this whole scheme? Yeah, that's a major decision criteria for federal agencies as they go through the implementation steps of the Evidence Act and the federal data strategy. Um, Just because we're encouraging open data doesn't mean that all government data will magically be open and freely available across the public. There are Uh, major data sets, really important data sets where there's personally identifiable information or confidential business information that's really important to protect. Nick Hart is CEO of the Data Coalition. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview along with a link to the strategy itself at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's Sentence Clarity Rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. 